Welcome to another episode of the Dear After Podcast. Your host here, Cortland Coffee, And today we are doing a unique episode. Uh, we are going to be talking to several different people on the show today. And for those of you who have listened to several of our episodes, you will know that while we have some incredible guests, uh, this also doubles as just a Dirty Rotten Church Kids fan podcast uh, as well. Uh, and so in that theme, uh, today I thought it would be fun to share some interviews, uh, some conversations with people who I have met through the Dirty Rotten Church Kids Discord channel. Uh, we are going to be having the boys themselves, uh, Josh and Adrian, on the show at some point. But they have done an incredible job of creating a community online around their podcast, a community of people. Uh, and in listening back uh, over the last 15 episodes, listening back to our first episode, the real ethos of this show was about the fear that I had in beginning my faith transition, in my faith change process, the fear of losing all of my community, all of my identity. Uh, it was a huge part. And, and I want this podcast more than anything to be a space where people can realize they're not alone in that process. If you're going through any type of faith change uh, or just reorganizing uh, your ideas about the reality you were handed, it can be terrifying. And there are people, so many people on the other side that I'm meeting and connecting with uh, who have helped me along the way to not feel like I was so alone and like I was losing all of the community and relationships that I had formed in Christianity and in the church beforehand. So without further ado, our first guest, our first interview today is going to be with Madison. Uh, Madison is here with us already. Want to say hello? Hello. I'm so happy to be here. This is very exciting for me. Welcome to the show. I'm, I'm glad to have you as one of the first people we're talking to. You are uh, the mod, one of the mods in... Uh, the Mother God mod. The Mother God mod <laughs> in the Discord, uh, which for those of you who don't know, uh, the Dirty Rotten Church Kids podcast, uh, if you sign up for their Patreon, you pay them every month. It's well worth it. You can be a part of this Discord. And I have met just so many incredible people through it. And it is pretty much Madison's full-time job now. Yeah. Um, full-time job, full-time life, um, full-time object of my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely spend way too much time on the Discord. Um, pretty much forced the uncles to make me a mod back in the day. Um, yeah, and the Early uncles, days. the uncles are uh, what what we in the in the Discord call Josh and Adrian from Dirty Rotten Church Kids because of you know internet inside jokes. Yeah, but they yeah. they really are like cool uncles. I, they, I really yes, they are. It's a fitting title. It is. They're, they're cooler than any uncles I ever had. <laughs> and then I'm in the Discord. I have the tag Mother God and the uh -huh. tag Vam, which is Vodka Ant Matt. So uh -huh. I, I'm the both the Mother God of the Discord and the Vodka Ant of the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I tried to like map out the weird family tree one day, and it was very hard. 
at, at some point we're gonna actually get it all mapped out on the wiki i really like that's my dream oh my gosh, i forgot about that i still have it and it, it i want a wiki that's built out like marvel universe just oh. only it's the discord for the bad apples the the origin of the uncles the origin of mother god of fairy godmother which is our other moderator in the discord the um, holy danity yes oh goodness there's so much there's so All much we could talk bags. about <laughs> uh it, it, so let's talk a little bit about you know as i went back and i was listening i forget whether i talked about this in my intro but we'll cut it together um i was i was listening to my first episode and just thinking about the the fear that i went through as i was going through faith transition and faith change and how alone that i felt um you know, I want to know kind of from your perspective, how you found the Dirty Rotten Church Kids and now you found this community within this podcast. Uh, what what brought you to Dirty Rotten Church Kids, the podcast, and and how did you decide, yeah, I'm going to get involved and be a patron? And Yeah, um, well, answering how I decide to do things is nearly impossible because I'm pretty impulsive and... I kind of just okay. do things before I've made the decision. Can't but, relate. Yeah, but um, I actually didn't start like whatever term you want to use, deconstructing, going through a faith change, whatever, until early 2020. Um, and so like 2019, all of then I was still 100% sold on evangelical ideals and all that stuff. But I went through some heavy trauma stuff at the end of 2019 and then a couple weeks later I found the Dirty Rotten Church Kids Instagram and found a lot of solace in their memes laughed a lot about that realized they had a podcast and instantly started listening to it and became obsessed um and I talked to Josh and Adrian occasionally through their Instagram DMs and then as soon as I heard they were making a discord I jumped on that and joined the second it was live um yeah but yeah so basically my like faith change happened not because of dirty Rotten church kids but they like helped it along and helped me see that there there are things i'm allowed to ask or things i'm allowed to not understand like i never even thought about the fact that hell might not be a physical real place like that never even came up in my mind is something I could question. And so Dirty Rotten Church Kids kind of gave me the permission to question things and know that like, like they gave me the permission to question things without immediately becoming some evil heathen that's going to burn in hell for eternity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that is so like, was there ever a time in your life beforehand where you had even like you said, you hadn't even thought like, but like, were there, were there times where you maybe asked a question and then felt like it wasn't an okay question to ask? Yes, definitely. Um, I, so I'm the youngest daughter of a pastor and I'm very cliche in the fact that I was, I was a very cliche, like rebellious Pastor's kid, kid. but not until college, high school, I was still perfect, but like college is when I really got rebellious and there were a couple things that I would question and ask, but they were, I don't, I don't know if this is the right term, but they were the more like 
normal things that people question like hey are all queer people gonna go to hell or um different like just different things like that that aren't the end all be all of christianity but still a little too far that you shouldn't ask if you if you don't want to fall down that slippery slope and so i would ask some of those questions and look into it but the whole time i kind of knew okay i'm gonna ask these questions look into this and be a little rebellious but in the end i'm gonna come back to the normal evangelical ways and this will just be a little season of my life and i like knew that the whole time just giving myself permission to ask those questions and be a little rebellious before I came back to, you know, quote unquote, the truth. And this is the first time in my life where I'm asking questions that I'm not sure the answers I find will be the same answers that I grew up with. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. What is it? What is it about the, uh, community, not just DRCK, but really the community at large that really that Josh and Adrian have created and tied to as so many of us who have listened to that podcast, not unlike other podcasts and blogs and things that have been existent in this space. What What is it about that that gives you the freedom or the comfort or the permission? Can Tell me a little bit about that feeling. Well, Honestly, at the beginning, I think the permission kind of came from the fact that I haven't ever, I hadn't ever read or heard things like that before that were coming from people that still claimed the term Christian. And so I know that Josh and Adrian aren't necessarily like, yes, I'm still Christian, um, but they have guests on there who do still use that term, so like Kevin Garcia, or I think Brenda Marie Davies still uses the term. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. so that was a big deal for me. And then honestly, like I don't have the bandwidth to listen to a whole bunch of deconstruction podcasts or do a whole lot of studying or things like that. And so the reason that dirty rotten church kids in particular, in particular grabbed my attention and like kept it is because it's, as they say, the equal parts heavy and light. And so I can listen to it and get some like heavy information or some serious stuff, but then also laugh my way through it and kind of be light about it and not feel bogged down and terrified by the end of an episode. Um, And then when the like community started coming, like being built around it with the discord and stuff like that, meeting like-minded people who so like so heartbreakingly, understood my story and experienced similar things was a complete game changer because previously I thought I was 100% alone. And if I wasn't alone, the people who experienced similar things are untouchable. Like I would never meet them because there's no reason I would meet them. And I just didn't, I didn't think I would find one, much less a whole group of people that would give me space to talk and laugh and hurt and be sarcastic and cry or do whatever I needed to do and still care about me and love me and see me and have that not hinge on my faith status. 
that makes mm. sense. That felt very rambly, but <laughs> no, that a hundred percent makes sense. Like I like I can connect so much with <laughs> everything that you just said because I I feel like you know for me like there was you know there was never I, I was talking with somebody else about this the other day is like I remember hearing people's stories growing up in church of like people who had left uh, either a you know secular quote unquote lifestyle. <laughs> or maybe another religion and had found Christianity or joined Christianity. Uh, but I had never even heard of somebody leaving Christianity. You don't really hear that story of yeah. like, hey, this is a person who left the church and still, uh, you know, and I'm not trying to say it's just about leaving the church. I'm just saying that it's a very unknown, right? It's yeah, because like, if you're still in the church, the church isn't going to want you to see that. And... <laughs> The majority, at least in my experience, the majority of people in your life when you're still in the church are either in the church or people that you're trying to evangelize to. So yeah, to bring in or yeah. to bring back, right? Exactly. Uh, but there is so much of life that still happens outside of that. And, you know, I think that community like this, like what the you know drck podcast has created is you know would have been relatively impossible when i was you know kind of coming out of high school or when i was questioning things because the internet was you know we would have been on an aol instant messenger <laughs> chat group or something i'm right. sure you would have been show, on that 24 7 too your age there cordy <laughs> <laughs> but but you know I want to talk a little bit about like the relationships, you know, because the relationships that you're building with other people online really are really real genuine relationships, yeah. you know? I mean, you, you've, you have been as much a part of creating this and that's kind of why I wanted to talk to some of the other people who are involved in the community before I even talk with Josh and Adrian, because like, you know, people will get on there and say like, I'm having a hard day and I'm going through this and who can talk with me and you or somebody else will be there yeah. to be like, let's hop on voice chat or let's hang out or let's just, you know, chat in the text chat for a little while. What has that been like in comparison with your experience maybe in more Christian uh, or church oriented groups in the past? Hmm. Good question. And I'm not trying to get you I, to like say anything, you know, specific for or against. I for me it's it's been so much more authentic and like real than anything I've ever experienced. Um so I, I still have um some friendships with people in the church that are like my best friend is still one hundred percent in the church and that friendship is like one of the strongest, most authentic friendships in my life but we've been through a fucking shit ton to get can i cuss in your podcast yeah oh hell yeah <laughs> uh, we've been Feel through like a shit ton together but i think one of the biggest differences i see is it's much i don't want to say like easier but it's it's just it's not complicated to make like form these friendships and like these bonds with people in, in the discord or, or whatever and I felt like in the church, and this might be an internet versus real life thing, but I also don't really think it is. But like in the church, it was so difficult to form 
deep, authentic friendships, especially if you didn't know them since you were a kid. Like all the relationships I have that are in the church that are like real and authentic that I want to hold on to, I've had since I was a kid. But when you're an adult or you're in college or whatever and you're going to a new church or you're in this new world or whatever, making those friendships is nearly impossible because there's a lot at least at least for me nearly impossible for me because there's a lot of lines you have to walk like you can't you can't talk too much you can't really cuss you can drink some but you can't get drunk you can like like there's these games you have to play and you know how to play it because you grew up with it maybe but it's still exhausting and it's like you said it's it's not authentic unless the person knows you and has known you and is totally cool with that but that's not super common in the church but in the discord it's like there's no game i'm not there's there's nothing that i like feel like i cannot bring up or i can't say there's there's no eggshells i'm trying not to walk on like if there, yeah. if there is something, then I just go to the trigger warning channel and like, yeah. <laughs> or, I, or whatever. Um, and it's like, there is no fear that being completely me will exclude me from a friendship. Boom. Whereas, right there. Yeah. Like in the, even if it just comes down That's... to like my crazy ADHD nature, people yeah. don't care in the discord. People did care in, in the church I found. Yeah, that I mean, being I mean, what you just said is like the ability to be me without fear. Yeah, is what I feel like you could put that on a fucking T-shirt for <laughs> the Dirty Rotten Church kids and like several of the environments like you mentioned Kevin Garcia and you mentioned, you know, other folks who have been on the podcast and are involved in this community. It is about getting rid of that fear. Yeah. That, I think was so innate that, that like, Oh, if I'm wrong, I'm going to get cast out. That was, that was real or not. Uh, that was a feeling that I had that was real to me at least. And it's like, it, it's not even just if I'm wrong or I'm going to be me. It's like, I, I feel a freedom to not know like I never have before. Ooh, whether yeah. it's, whether it's, I don't know what I believe about X, Y, and Z, or I don't know like what my specific identity is in this situation, or I don't know how I feel about that. Like I, I feel so free to not have definite answers or emotions or beliefs or whatever. And before it's like, I, I needed to know what I thought about everything and what I believed about everything. And I needed to know how I felt about things so that I could like, it was weird because it was like in the church vulnerability meant knowing what you felt and sharing what you felt, not, not being vulnerable with like, I have no idea how I feel about this because I don't even like, I don't even know why I don't know how to explain it, but I love the the (laughs) way that as I'm hearing you talk about it, the way that it comes across to me is, and you said this earlier when you were talking about like your rebellious, you know, (laughs) phases or things that you would go through, you, you made this, this comment about like, knowing you were going to get back to the truth. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think that there is this expectation that like you can wander as long as you know where you're going to land. Yeah. Uh, that's And that's kind of always the expectation is like, <laughs> <It> is. <laughs> yeah, 
which is not real wandering. <laughs> What's the point? Like that's not a wander. That's just a drive yeah. to your destination. <laughs> yeah. That's like when I when I tell <laughs> my it's like when I tell my son that he can like go and like be outside in the yard by himself or he can go like bike in the front, you know, of the house by himself. And, you know, he gets this big look in his eye like, oh, by myself. But then I'm like looking out the window, like <laughs> making sure that he doesn't, you know, go too far. He's not yeah. really by himself. He's not really free because I'm always watching to make sure he's staying inside the lines. Yeah. Um, that That is definitely a feeling I can relate to. Uh, so, like the yeah. difference between, like you said, inside the lines. It's like the difference yeah. between being allowed to draw outside the lines on, on your paper, but staying on the paper and being allowed to paint the whole wall. Like, <laughs> Yeah. 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 Start drawing on the walls. I love that. I love that. So, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's basically everything that I wanted to, you know, we're going to talk with several different people from uh, that I've met from the community uh, online and there's Madison, so I'm just, ones. Oh, there's <laughs> so, so many people. people. I know. We're gonna end up having like three episodes, I'm sure. Oh, of do it! It's people. worth it. They're all I'm amazing. Ho- <laughs> I'm hopeful that uh, that people will be able to hear some of these stories and relate to people, and hopefully they'll get on the Discord here or get on Kevin Garcia's Discord or you know you know find a community where they can connect with some people who are thinking through and and processing through things because I mean you don't have to do it alone. Yeah, and maybe we'll set up our um, support at Bad Apple. Sponsor a bad apple. Sponsor a bad apple to be in the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love idea. it. I think thereafter podcast will have to sponsor a few at least. So, <laughs> Madison, great. thank you for uh, spending time with us today. Thank you so much for letting me. This was great. All right. Yeah. So, so that was a little bit of my conversation with Madison and we're, you know, we've had to cut some of these conversations down just a little bit, uh, for sake of time. But the next person that I want to introduce, you know, you two and and the listeners to is, uh, my man, Rye and Rye and I end up talking a little bit in our interview about a similar thing in terms of, you know, something similar to like, something that Josh and I have talked about, Josh, you and I have talked about on this podcast is, is kind of reinterpreting the, some of the language and the experience we had in church uh, mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what that means for us outside of it. Right. Uh, that was kind of one of the, the things that stood out to me about the conversation I had with Rye was him saying, you know, we got into this, conversation about there's an aspect of of christian uh culture that's like you got to get uncomfortable you got to get you got to get outside your comfort zone you know the way of jesus is is going to make you uncomfortable it should make people uncomfortable but then like the second that christians get uncomfortable uh they're like oh no this is not right (laughs) (laughs) and it's like Oh yeah, like this stuff that makes Christians uncomfortable may actually be some of the stuff that we've been talking about getting uncomfortable about. <laughs> like I feel like Christians often forget that Jesus made religious people uncomfortable. That is fascinating. That's good for everybody to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and as far as like the freedom to be able to reshape and and uh 
kind of reformulate what these things mean in specific, you know, with like things like community, uh, that idea gets to, we don't have to let go of it. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. we don't have to let go of some of these ideas about, uh, you know, these churchy words like sanctification. It reminds me of what we talked about with Jonathan Merritt, right? Yeah. Right. You know, for me, sanctification may become, you know, maybe me actually getting more uh, uh, compassionate about how I understand someone's gender identity or how I understand someone's, you know, uh, uh, experience with their religious trauma, right? And, mm-hmm. and those things we can reclaim, um, that was kind of like some of what we talked about with Ryan. I'm excited to share this conversation with you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, what you just said reminds me of um, just something that uh, Jesus did reiterate, which was, uh, f- you know, later on in the Old Testament, where it's like, I desire compassion, not sacrifice, you know? So yeah, <laughs> we do need that. Yeah, yeah, cool. 100%. Let's hear it. Right, we're here with my good friend Rye from the DRCK Discord. Uh, Rye, say hello. Hello, this is Rye. <laughs> Dude, uh, I have to say too, uh, on the record, I loved your interview that you did for the Patreon uh, podcast, patron only podcast. It was yeah, cool. thanks. It was really, it was really neat to have that conversation with Josh and Adrian and Mac. Um, we kind of like all know each other through like the discord and stuff, but to actually like, have that kind of conversation in a way that like other, you know, um, people got to hear as well. was really fun. So thanks. Yeah. I, I love it. I'm, I'm just like so stoked and that's why, you know, we're, I'm doing this little thing to highlight the community and the connections that I've created mm-hmm. through what they've done, which I think is kind of a microcosm of what's happening in the larger kind of like deconstruction community. Absolutely. Um, but it's been so, it's been so like real and personal and cool inside what DRCK is doing. So mm-hmm. um, with that, if you want to, you know, kind of tell uh, the audience of the Thereafter podcast a little bit about like, what your journey was like. I know we're trying to kind of like force it into a short, super short summary, but like, were you going through a faith change or was there an aspect of, you know, kind of like things changing within your, your perspective on faith before finding uh, DRCK and how did that start for you? What were some of the things? Yeah. Um, so for me around the time that I found uh, DRCK had been deconstructing for about a year um, I found them sometime just before COVID happened. Um, cause I remember the first episode of theirs that I listened to, I listened to on a road trip that I had to take home from Colorado because I had to leave my job due to, to COVID and everything. Um, and so that, that was, uh, 2019, 2020, 2020. And I had started deconstructing, um, late 2018. So yeah, about a year. Um, but I've been on their Instagram for a while. Um, prior to that, that's how I found out about their podcast. Um, okay. And yeah, yeah. That, and that's the theme I've, I'm decided, I've decided that I think I like in order to get podcast listeners, I must make sick memes. on Instagram. <laughs> uh, Honestly, I, 
it's interesting because I've been following Phil Drysdale for a while. Um, I think he was the first account that I found before, um, or right when I'd started deconstructing. Who and I've also never has listened a strong meme game. Yeah, like but I've never listened game. to his podcast. I've never, I've never listened to any of his episodes. Okay. So, like, I guess in terms of like an audience, it's really hit or miss. I guess in, in terms of what people are interested in. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know, but. <laughs> The memes, were, I think, help. <laughs> what were some of the things pre, you know, finding DRCK and getting into the podcast? What were some of the things, the other voices or other, uh, it just forces that were kind of like spurring you towards deconstruction? I mean, was it just personal stuff going on for you? Uh, or was it like a book that you read that was like, what was that kind of like a lot of people who I talked to are like, I picked up Rob Bell, you know, mm-hmm. or I picked up Don Miller, whatever, you know, yeah. the, the, those old people like me, like, <laughs> <"Ooh>, like <yes." laughs> and that came out he was like, fuck George Bush. And we were like, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I think a little bit of both. I don't think I had the words to explain deconstruction until I came across Phil Drysdale. Um, and then he kind of spurred me into the space of like, there's a there's a word for this. There's a community of people that this is happening to. Like this isn't just a one-off thing that like Rai is experiencing in his own bubble. It's like this is a, a whole thing that's happening to a lot of people. Um, but prior to that, uh, like what got me in the space to even be able to like receive his message, if you will, um, was my own faith deconstruction of like being in church spaces and realizing like in a place that I thought I belonged in so well for like my whole life that the only way, the only reason I'd ever belonged there was because I put on like a really good mask to myself and to other people. Um, and so like much things has happened in my life for the sake of time. I don't really get into them, but, um, to where like slowly that mask was like coming off. And the more I let myself see my true self, I realized like I didn't really belong in the spaces that I thought I belonged in. Um, and I started to feel super uncomfortable there and started to like have like really strong frustrations with like church leadership, which was something that I'd never experienced before. I was always the person who was like, yeah, church leaders can do no wrong. You know, they're God's <laughs> anointed or whatever. Um, and so when I started like to actually like feel angry or like um, discontented with, with my church leadership, I was like, I don't think I want to be here anymore. I don't think I want to do this. Um, and then coming out to myself ultimately was like a big deal. Um, and I left, I think, at the end of the day because of that. Uh, and then, like you said, uh, like I was saying before, like just jumping into uh, kind of the Instagram community space of like, oh, there's other people doing this thing. I can grow in a way that isn't Christian growth. Um, that was kind of the only growth I ever knew. And so starting to grow with with those people in that way. In a way that felt like maybe more authentic yeah, to you. And scarier. Um, Christian growth kind of happens in this bubble of like, okay, you read your Bible more and that's growth and you become more holy and that's growth. And you start, you know, serving in these new capacities in church and like that's growth. And so like the growth is very structured and very prescribed. Um, whereas Christian or not, I'm um, growth outside of that Christian bubble is like, whatever the fuck you want it to be, however you want it, whatever you want it to look like. Um, and so like Dude, a lot talk, of things, yeah. Talk talk about that for a second. Cause I think that that's a really interesting point that like I was always, I grew up, I don't know if your church experience was like this of like pastors saying like, we got to get uncomfortable. Like let's get uncomfortable. <laughs> but church like was pretty fucking comfortable yeah. and oh, getting sure. outside of it was uncomfortable. I was like, oh, this is the uncomfortable yeah, I never knew anxiety when I was in church. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until I started 
uh, questioning things that were happening and like considering like maybe I don't belong here um, that like I started to understand what anxiety felt like, uh, which is kind of like their whole thing, you know, like the peace that passes understanding and like all this shit. And it's like, oh, I am experiencing that. So I guess it's working. But really what it was is like I just I knew how to do the right things. Right. Like if I kept doing the things they wanted me to do, I would continue to belong. And so as long as I continued to belong, then there was no reason for me to feel like scared, you know, um, or feel anxious. And so, uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel like within the space of people saying things like, oh, you got to get uncomfortable. You got to like put yourself out on a limb, like trust God and, and try all these new things or whatever. Like none of it was ever really new, whatever things people were asking me to do, someone had already done before you know um or believed before or tried before and i was just doing it in like my way um but at the end of the day the result we always you i guess the thing was like you always knew what the result was supposed to be um you never like took a step without like this anticipation of what the end result was going to look like whereas like on the other side of that i feel like all of the steps i take i'm like i don't know where i'm going like i don't know where this is going to lead i just follow whatever feels right for me now and getting in touch with what's happening inside of me so that I can figure out what those steps are. But like at the end of the day, I, I don't know why I'm taking them or what the goal is. Whereas within my Christianity, it was like always very clear, like, okay, you come back to this point every single time you always come back to the same point. And now I don't have that. So that feels a lot, a lot more intense. Yeah. And it also, I think, you know, like to me, it sounds like that is much more like what freedom is supposed to be like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, that's a concept that I've kind of uh, struggled with because um, in church, they talk about freedom all the time, right? And they're like, I think about the song, uh, I think it's called Break Every Chain. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. And so, and like you sing it, and like it has like this really intense bridge, and like the whole thing, and like this, like the whole build up, and it's like, yeah, like God, you know, is breaking all these chains or whatever. Um, and I remember singing that song over and over again at like church camps and youth groups and all of the things, and getting to a point where it was like, there's, there should be an experience that comes along with this outside of just whatever the music makes me feel in the moment. And I never got that until. I got outside of it all and the, uh, the experience became all of the things that I wasn't allowed to do or be within the church. Um, and so like, I think that's been really interesting um, in terms of the concept of freedom is like, I almost struggle to talk about freedom because it was prescribed to me such a specific way that like when I, to try to relate that same word to something entirely different is really challenging. Um, and I struggle with that. I think a lot in terms of church language of like things that, um, I used to say before that make a lot more sense now, but I feel weird using the same language because it means something entirely different. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I can relate, like I'll have family who, who talk about their born again experience. And like my born again experience was like sitting in a car, breaking up with God, telling yeah <laughs> this thing that I don't believe in it anymore. And then 100%. I was like, I felt reborn. Like I was like, Oh, the world is a new place because mm -hmm. I've let go of this, like really, depressing construct that was making me want to die yeah uh and i'm like that was my salvation experience and people are like no that's not that's not a testimony <laughs> and you don't give you don't get to tell me that it's not like <laughs> for me my experience like that um was when i cut my hair for the first time um and i i like to talk about my cutting my hair as like my baptism 
Um, because the way that baptism was described to me was like an outward reflection of like an inward transformation. And so for me, like cutting my hair was like that outward reflection of like the inward changes Mm. that were happening in me. Um, and so like for for me, that's what baptism is like, and you can't convince me otherwise, you know, but some people will be like, that's not what it is. It has to look like this and you have to be in a tub at church and like whatever, you know, in the name of the father, son and the holy haircut. Right. (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. So, so tell me like what, you know, you got on the discord with the, you know, DRCK Patreon. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it feels like six, seven years ago. It was like, (laughs) what, like six months ago? Not even. It's like four four months ago. No, I I think it's been like a couple of months. I think I got on in January. So it's literally been like a couple of months. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's wild. And you, and you have like, been a staple on there and been somebody who has, you know, spoken, you know, encouragement. I'm going to get churchy for a second, but like (laughs) spoken encouragement into my life. And like, you're a person who I'll get on and be like, oh, I need some like hype man rye in my life, you know, uh, when I'm having a rough day or I'm not, you know, feeling, uh, myself and this, having this community in this space to turn to has been so incredible for me. And it is something I've talked about. I've been like telling like all of everyone I know, like you got to get on there. You got to meet these people. Mm -hmm. What has it been like to you to have that community? Because it feels like something that's like met something for you, like in a real way. For sure. For sure. Um, I was really hesitant to get on for a while when Josh and Adrian first put out that they were doing, you know, this discord thing. Um, I was really hesitant because I was like, Ooh, another potential space to like get hurt by people, you know, um, because even though I know everyone is in a deconstructing space, it's like we've also all been in church. And so I, like it's really hard, I think, to like uh, separate those two things. Um, and so anyway, at one point um, I was talking to Josh and he's like, dude, you just like just give it a try. Like just, you know, if you don't like it, you can get off of it, whatever. And so I got on there and like within minutes I was like, OK, this is cool. Like I'm not leaving. Yeah, uh, now you can't get off. Or, yeah, like, I'll be pissed. Right, exactly. Um, and so what, what it's been like, though, and the reason I think I feel so connected to it and, and um, appreciate that space so much is it's like one of the things you don't get or I never got in church was like this space to just authentically like feel my emotions, you know, and then simultaneously to have those emotions held by people, right? Like they've, I think church forces uh, vulnerability a lot, but they don't really know how to like hold people's vulnerability um, and create like a space where people can actually um, like feel their feelings safely. And I feel like in the discord, um, whether, you know, we're being lighthearted or things get really serious. It's like, I know that whatever, wherever the conversation goes, like the appropriate space is being held. And if for some reason it isn't like, there's enough people who want to want it to be a safe space that they're going to do what it takes to like reroute that and make sure that those feelings are held appropriately. Um, which is like crazy, you know, because this is just like a bunch of random people from across the, the world, you know, who are like, oh, we're all just like sitting in the space together. Sometimes we've seen each other face to face, but like most of the time, not in real life. Um, and but we know at the end of the day, our goal is to provide a safe space for people to create a space where we're all um, you know, growing and healing or just having a good time together. Um, and there's not like, there's obviously some moderation, but at the same time, it's like, everyone just kind of moderates themselves. Um, and I don't know, it just feels, feels like community, which is like what church is supposed to be, but never 
actually is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it totally does. Like, I I couldn't have said it better. I mean, it, it, it I've told other people it like feels like if like I could do like the good parts of church without the bullshit and like it it, in an even better way like it it is such a cool and authentic community and that's why i i just feel like so many people who listen to this podcast who are listening to you know all of these different podcasts uh that are talking about these things they long for i did i longed for that community and i felt like there was so few places like in this is where i felt was like in secular quote yeah. unquote secular right. culture like where i could talk about like stuff and have people like relate to it like mm-hmm. i can talk about like singing like fucked up you know uh sunday school songs or whatever and people can go oh yeah i had that experience too right and let's talk about it because you know that is such a bonding and healing thing. I kind of feel like we all went through something, different levels of traumatic that mm-hmm. makes our relationships, I don't know, more more fast growing than, than, yeah. than other relationships. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's a lot of, uh, I think, common ground in, amongst people who are so different um, just because we can all like point to this one thing that hurt us and be like, we hate this <laughs> or, or we're, we mostly hate it, but there's like some things we like wherever you kind of fall in that spectrum. But like at the end of the day, we're all like, this is fucked up and this fucked us up. And regardless of what, what, what else we, we find commonality on, like we could always go back to that. Um, yeah. And I think that creates a really unique space. Cool. Yeah. This was Rai uh, hanging out with Cortland from Florida. I really appreciate you having me on. Dude, I'm I'm just so excited to share, you know, these people who have honestly become like family. It's it's pretty wild like for me that in COVID uh I have kind of <laughs> my personality has shifted a little bit. I used to be very uh uh resistant to developing online friendships and relationships. It was just not my vibe. Um but COVID has like made that all my relationships <laughs> and, oh, I, and yeah. I i've just been so grateful for people like rye who i've i've become really close to and and has been like somebody who i can be like man i'm having a bad day dude you know <laughs> i need help i can reach out to it's incredible that that the internet makes that possible what's really interesting is like yeah since quarantine it's honestly given us a little bit more um, courage to reach out to people that we don't know. <laughs> That's really strange. I mean, with yeah. like, even for me, um, joining, uh, you know, clubhouse that you invited me to, I would never like, man, two years ago, I'd never be on that. <laughs> Just talking <laughs> to people. <laughs> That's This is great. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. So the next next person I want to introduce you to is is a guy named Rob, uh, and Rob and I both come from the SBC. Yeah, you know we. Is that, <laughs> is that how it goes? Uh, and anyway, Rob, Rob, uh, I the thing I love about Rob is is that he is a hundred, a thousand times smarter than I am, uh, and he actually really you know kind of began his deconstruction journey through going to seminary and actually you know learning is what 
le- learning, you know, the actual uh, things about the Bible and, and, and you know, Southern Baptist, uh, it, it, you know, in addition, still like as he started learning things, uh, he started going like, oh, there's there's a lot that I wasn't taught a lot of that I didn't know about the Bible and didn't know about the context and the history. And, uh, it was interesting that, uh, I loved, we talked a little bit about like his wife and his experience and how, you know, they both kind of deconstructed in, in somewhat different ways. And his was, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously way more intellectual, uh, and, and, and hers was more relational, and and so I could relate a lot to that. I, I feel like, you know, a lot of my deconstruction was very relational. I feel like you still are just probably a little bit more even intellectual than I am uh, about things. And and it really kind of shows that there's there's no there's no right reason or right way to do that. Yeah. Well, I think what's been really interesting for me, like learning about all the people and, and what people are saying on the podcasts and things that are out there, um, is that, uh, you know, the more, I don't know, the more, I guess, I guess I never really had trouble. I never really personally had trouble with hearing those things and, Cause I, I, cause I didn't, I never, I never had like a fundamentalist hold on theology, you know? Um, I always yeah. sort of treated it loosely and, uh, um, they, there's, they say, I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at the stats or anything, but they say that the, the more, the people who are deconstructing the most are like the pastors are the, the people who are studying and, <laughs> and coming out of those, those environments. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So Rob, Rob's story is super interesting and excited to share uh, a little bit of my conversation with him, with you guys. All right, Rob, thank you for being on the show today. And sure. uh, how are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? I'm wonderful. I really appreciate uh, you making time uh, last minute to kind of sit down and chat about dirty rotten church kids, uh, and give our, you know, DRCK testimony, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. My much better, much better testimony than the old one. <laughs> uh, so I guess my first question for you is, you know, d- where were you at in terms of faith change, faith transition, um, before finding the podcast, uh, you know, the Patreon, the discord, uh, give us a little background on, on your journey up to that point before finding DRCK. Sure. Yeah. I mean, long story short was raised very fundamentalist Pentecostal and Southern Baptist. And I was a really good church kid. I was really good at it. I feel really guilty about everything all the time. So, you know, makes for a good church kid. Um, me and too. actually, <laughs> actually went to seminary after college. So I got a, a technical degree, started a technical job, and then felt the need to go to seminary. So me and Kate moved, and that's how we ended up here in Fort Worth, was so that I could go to a Southern Baptist seminary. And uh, pretty quickly uh, started running into things that were really hard to reconcile when you actually start learning 
about why you believe what you believe. Okay. Yep. And really got really good at suppressing those doubts. So, I mean, that was early twenties. This was you know eight years ago, basically. Um, and basically just kind of suppressed that stuff for, for a long time after that. Um, so most of our twenties, you know, started having kids, all of that. We were still very church going, you know, non-denominational kind of, but basically Southern Baptist. Um, and then ended up last year between the events of 2020 with a pandemic, Trump and Christian nationalism being outside of the church, not going every week. And then somehow in my old days, I would say uh, somehow it was a godsend that I found the DRCK Instagram. I don't really know why I ever would have found it. It was not in the realm of things I was following, stumbled over it, followed it for a while, fell into the podcast, consumed it, found Phil Drysdale, found Danny Prada, so on and so on. And that feels like five years ago. It was like six months ago. (laughs) It was a, we were just joking earlier today of uh, it's a slippery slope. That's a very good term for it because we slid down that slope really, really fast of when you finally allow yourself to start questioning the things and quit suppressing those doubts, things unravel really, really fast. Yeah. And that was, that was one of the things that, that Madison talked about in talking with her. Uh, I guess I shouldn't reference too much. I don't know how, how in order all of these are going to cut together, (laughs) but uh, is the permission aspect. I mean, Mm -hmm. how, how much did you feel that in finding this, you talk about Phil Drysdale and you talk about, you know, some of these other folks who are talking about these issues. For me, it was really mind blowing to go like, oh, we can ask that question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's allowed. Um, yeah. Did you have that experience or did you feel a sense of, you talk about repression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. We're very good. I mean, I think some people were more predisposed to being good at kind of burying things down and not dealing with them. I think I naturally had that, but obviously the church really reinforces that skill of of burying those things and not giving your per, yourself permission to to think about it or talk about it at all. Um, and that's why people are shunned really fast when you bring it up inside of a ministry setting. So that's why you never bring it up. And your fan, friend groups come from that. All of your stuff comes from that. So then why would you risk ruining that? Um, so yeah, I never felt like I had the permission to. And that's where I've said before, 2020 was kind of a blessing in disguise of it removed all of those kind of societal, like the cultural Christianity was removed a lot. And it allowed me the space to kind of explore the things I'd wanted to, because I'd never felt I had the permission before that by any means. Yeah. Um, and I think fear was a big part of it too. It was, I mean, so growing up Pentecostal, especially like fear of hell, hell. Wow. I sounded really Southern just then. Uh, <laughs> I am from South Alabama originally. I try to hide it, but, um, uh, fear right. of hell. When you say it that way, it's even scarier. So that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, was a big thing for me. So questioning those things was that quote unquote slippery slope that what would happen if I did end up doubting all these things, what would happen to me? That was always rooted there. Um, so that was the first thing I had to put away to really allow myself permission to, to explore things was get rid of the idea of hell. So can you, and, and if I'm, if I'm digging too personal, just let me know. Uh, yeah. but you know, can you talk a little bit about like what that was? You mentioned Kate earlier and that's your wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. It, it, what was it like for you to start having some of these questions or doubts in terms of, you know, obviously getting married with this idea? Uh, I think probably like I did where it's like, yeah, we know what we believe and we're going to believe that forever. It yep. was terrifying for me to start having those conversations with 
my partner. Yeah. Um, I will say I didn't feel too scared to start talking about those things, but in the initial discussions, middle of last year, uh, she definitely had some, you know, fear around that. Just, I think for her, the biggest thing was our marriage was based around it. And what does that mean? If I'm questioning this, could it mean I'm questioning my commitment to her? All of those things, which once we dealt with those concerns, which were very valid concerns, um, it was a, yeah, let's talk about whatever. And I've joked that she's kind of the root of a lot of my deconstruction, whether she realizes it or not, was she was doing this a long, I mean, she was raised by a single mom, very independent, has to, you know, she's an eight, very strong personality, all these things. Um, so I, I make this regular joke of uh, when we first got married, we've been married for 10 years. We were part of a community group of, you know, couples and we'd split off and men and women do a thing. And uh, Southern Baptist, like to a T and, uh, and they had got on an abortion discussion and she was like, I don't think it's black and white. Uh, you yeah. know, I think this is a much greater issue and me being shocked to that. I mean, this was 10 years ago and, uh, <laughs> you're like, now we got to find a new church. Thanks, <laughs> basically. Um, thankfully she's very likable. So I think people <laughs> moved on. Uh, but you know, I've joked that she's, she's kind of the reason a lot of this happened. And, you know, we moved to seminary and she was not the seminary wife that everybody wants you to be. And she refused to be that. So all that to say, there were some fears that we dealt with, but once those were dealt with, it was honestly one of the more strengthening things we've done in our relationship because you are growing together. And thankfully we did it at the same time. If we weren't, it would have been awful. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we've very much been on the same trajectory. And I know that's a struggle for a lot of a lot of people. Uh, you know, David Hayward, naked pastor, who's been mm -hmm. on the Dirty Rotten Church Kids podcast before. I think you know he's got a book about you know uh, deconstructing you know while married and how that you know whole thing works. I haven't read it yet. I'm very curious to, uh, but I know that you know even folks who are single feel the pressures of family, right? Whether mm -hmm. it's a spouse, whether it's a family member, whether it is, you know, so many people that we've met through the discord are living in households with families that are mm -hmm. still, you know, very evangelical. And, you know, I think, you know, a lot of folks coming out the other side of it, I didn't uh, necessarily know how to relate to other people that that wasn't their overarching reality of the world, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. talking to somebody else that was like, Oh yeah, we went to church a few times, you know, growing up, but it wasn't the, you know, for me, I grew up Southern Baptist. It was everything, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it was more important, uh, in terms of your theology than anything else. Uh, mm -hmm. and so, you know, I just, for you, what is the community? You're very active and involved in the discord and, and in the conversations that are going on, what has that meant to you in terms of having that community and, and has that replaced for you some of what maybe you've had in church? Um, and how is it different? I think that those are the two. Yeah, points. no, it's, and it's of great distinction to make because we do base our community around church when we're really in it. I mean, that's where your friends come from and, and rightfully so it's your worldview and all of this. And especially when you're kind of, opposing the world, it makes sense to not really have friend groups outside of that. So that, but that is the hardest aspect too of this whole deconstruction journey is changing your community. Um, I think having the discord was 
the best thing that could have happened to me and and really maybe was what allowed me to actually continue that deconstruction journey um i wouldn't say it started me on it but it allowed me to actually continue it because i did not i i did not feel like i lost community and had nothing else i mm. feel like if anything i gained community and the most authentic community i've ever seen um because we're not basing it around something dogmatic that at its root ends up being something we judge each other for. The whole point is we're not judging each other. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. good. You're all valid. We're all very different. all have very different experiences and they're all valid. Uh, that's not something you say in church. So that community was always, I mean, and I've still got good church friends. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, who would love me, I think, if I, you know, told them everything <laughs> that I've been uh, doing. I haven't told too many of them that. But <laughs> most of them wouldn't, though. There, yeah. There's only a handful that would. And it's because it is built around that dogmatic structure um, versus just loving and accepting each other. Yeah. And what would you what would you tell to somebody, you know, because, you know, why I started this podcast and a lot of the listeners to it, you know, are going through something very similar to what you've mm -hmm. been through, what I've gone through, what I'm going through. Um, and, you know, uh, what is your, you know, advice, I guess, for people who, you know, have that sense of fear? You talked about having fear. Mm -hmm. How do you, how did you process through and tell yourself and, and, and move to something past that? Um, when that fear is very real, uh, mm -hmm. for a lot of folks. It is. And I think it could be, you know, there's two sides of that fear. I think one is a loss of that community, a loss of the structure. I think that's one side. And the other, I think is the fear of what if I'm wrong, what happens? Hell, I mean, essentially hell. And that's, yeah. and I would say those, those, you can have both for sure. Um, I would say I was much more afraid about the hell aspect and Kate was much more afraid about the community aspect. We both had a little bit of each. Um, so I think, I guess there's two answers depending on where you are in that or, or both. Um, yeah. For the community, I mean, that's obviously uh, for the Discord uh, is huge for that, um, having that ability to, to find that community. And I know Phil Drysdale has the uh, Deconstruction Network. That's another aspect. I think there's several things out there. Just finding a community that, whether it's local or digital, um, that you can talk to and be authentic with, uh, especially with COVID. I think it's allowed us to remove that local boundary that we often put on ourselves. Um, who knows what the future holds after that, but I, I think that's a great thing because it removes the barriers uh, of trying to find somebody down the street, even though there probably is somebody down the street deconstructing too. Yeah. Um, then the other aspect is, uh, you know, just depending on the personality of what, what they're dealing with on the fear base and all of that. And that's what it took for me was delving in theologically of what are the roots of all these things I've believed for so long. Um, and there are so many great resources for that between the many books, which I know DRCK and the discord generally talk about. Um, but then also a lot of podcasts, including theirs. But if you're really heavy on, I need proof that this doesn't make sense. There are some really great ones for that too. Like you have permission is one of my favorites now with Dan Koch. Um, okay. of, yeah. and he's still very much, he considers himself a progressive Christian. I don't know if I land where he is, but it's more if he's broken down, hell doesn't make sense from the Bible theologically, you know, th yeah. these sorts of things that was really important for me. Yeah. 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 And I know, I mean, for me too, I, I, 
I don't. I've I've pretty much landed. I, I don't think I've landed. <laughs> I think it's. I guess it would be arrogant to say I've landed. But for right now, I'm comfortably sitting outside of of a belief in a god. But but I still really really enjoy a lot. There's a lot of really great theology. You know, Mason Manega. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and Trip Fuller and, you know, Keith Giles, Heretic mm-hmm. Happy Hour, you know, Homebrew Christianity, all, all of those sorts of resources. I'm, I'm like you to some extent that where it's like, I want to really like nerd out about the specifics. And yeah. I had a, I had a very literal fear. I remember telling my wife, like, aren't you afraid that I'm going, like, I just said, I don't believe in Jesus. I'm going to hell. Like, I know that I'm going to hell. Why aren't you worried about it? <laughs> you know, like I remember yeah. just being, uh, and she was like, no, I think you're okay. It's, it's no big, t- like you're good. You're the same guy that I married and you'll figure it out. You're just, you know, wandering and that's fine. Uh, so yes, I think similar to you, I had a, a, a very real post-mortem fear of, fucking up and Mm -hmm. and getting in a car wreck on my way home and Mm -hmm. shit man i just one day too soon i was holding on for so long and the day i you know let go (laughs) day i questioned i died (laughs) then i died you know and my fear was what what is you know and we can kind of end here but you know what is the one thing that you know and and this is kind of a, a big question but that helped you to be able to overcome that specific fear that that specific mm. thing keeping you up going shit i'm i'm not only going to die and go to hell i'm going to send my kids to hell i mean these are the, my thoughts i don't know if you had them. oh gosh 100 <laughs> uh yeah no i'm i worry about all these things what is um, what what's the thing that helped uh yeah for me it was digging in theologically to it and there are some great resources you can see one of them behind me is heaven and hell uh, by bart Ehrman. um do you have permission one has several uh, on that as well but ultimately it came down to understanding our understanding of a reality of the devil and hell is very much based in uh literature more than the bible <laughs> and and uh almost more popular culture. That's not quite the right term, but uh, it's, it's not biblical. So even if you have a very high view of the Bible, you can see that these things don't make sense. Yeah. So it kind of walked it back from there. And while I might not necessarily say I have the highest view of the Bible currently, um, I think you could and still not believe in those things because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I feel like that was the point for me and, and Josh and Adrian just talked about this on one of the recent episodes. Um, once you get past that hurdle, then it frees you up a lot. Yeah, if you remove the consequence, you're able to actually explore. Yeah. Um, so that, in my mind, was the first hurdle I had to overcome for sure. Cool. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Rob, for being on uh, the show today and, and yeah. sharing some of your experience and being on my first Dirty Rotten Church Kids fan episode, you know. Yeah, I, thank you. <laughs> I joke that this podcast is becoming a, a, a fan uh, podcast anyway. So uh, it's great to make that, uh, bring that full circle and, and have some of my Bad Apple fam on. So thank you for making the time. Yeah, thank you. All right. And uh, next, uh, we're going to hear, we're going to hear from Rebecca. And Rebecca and I had an incredibly long conversation. It was, it was super fun. 
uh, and I, you know, we're going to cut down a little bit of her story, but from, you know, coming out of, you know, the conversation we have that I had with Rob, you know, the thing that really stood out as I've, you know, gotten to know Rebecca over the last, you know, several weeks, it feels like months, but I think it's only been a matter of weeks is, you know, I relate so much to what she talked about, about, you know, having this longing for authenticity and community. She's got such a, like her heart and her motive growing up as, you know, she, she grew up as a farmer's kid, uh, in <laughs> Colorado. Uh, and then her parents went into ministry. Her dad became a pastor and she talked a little bit about, you know, how, you know, when her dad became a pastor, you know, she became, you know, they're in a small town. She became kind of like a missionary as like a high school kid, right? Yeah. You become mm -hmm, kind mm -hmm. of like, you know, the recruiter for the youth group and that sort of thing. And then went into missions and she's always had this, like this heart and this passion and, and yet felt like there was a, I think, you know, I don't want to put words in her mouth. We'll hear her story, but you know, a lack of authenticity, a lack of being seen and kind of taken for granted, uh, in that, that I think a lot of people who serve in ministry or in missions, they feel, you know, I don't know, you know, how you felt, you know, when you were in ministry, uh, or I know you're, you know, connected to a lot of people who are in missions work, but, uh, there is, you know, I think a lot of times a kind of, I don't know, just a disregard, um, for, uh, making sure that, that, you know, kind of treating people just like, they're, they're just cogs in the machine. Like you just got to mm. go out and just do this and not really seeing people for people. Like sometimes people just need to be a part of a family and seen and valued for who they are and not what they can do. Um, yeah. Well, in, in our context many years ago, um, I definitely, feel like I just was that I just was the cog, you know, just what I could do with my skills. Um, yeah, that's that. I would say that's pretty common. And I feel like it's, it's common based off of the, the culture, you know, what is, what is the culture of your environment that you're in, you know, cause I think there are good ones out there. There are ones that have, that a really good sense of community. Um, it's unfortunate that our situation was not that, uh, it had a facade. It was, it was just a facade of, yeah. of that. Um, yeah. And she because, talked about like that, that like, just like, I don't know, cookie cutter Stepford like church experience where it's like everyone smiles and like, well, I'll see you next week. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm, maybe hurting or maybe I'm sad or maybe I need something else. I don't want to just smile on Sundays and then see you next week. Yeah, exactly. Let's, 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 let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> All right. We are here with Rebecca. I am so excited to have you on the show today. Rebecca, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you. I'm Rebecca and I, 
am a Colorado native and I just recently Ooh. moved back. Yay. So um, I grew up in the church. Um, is this what you want? You kind of want like backstory, right? Like, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll ask uh, here, uh, you know, kind of give me a little bit of your background as condensed as we can okay. get, because yeah. I know that I could talk about my story for 10 hours and I'm sure yeah. you could as well. Yeah. Um, but like, really kind of the high points in terms of like where you came from and then what were the, what was the trigger point for you to start rethinking or changing your thoughts about things? Perfect. So, yeah, so I grew up, um, in Northern Colorado in a rural community and, um, can't ever think of a time that I wasn't at church and my parents didn't grow up in church. So I think hindsight now, as I put pieces together, I think they were in like, all the excitement of this is new um, when they had children, like when they were new parents. Um, and so we yeah, have, we just were like dove head first into it. And we, um, we were pretty well, obviously super involved, but my dad became a pastor when I was in middle school. And that obviously was a huge change from um, being a farmer a farmer's daughter to, um, then a pastor's kid. And we ended up selling our farm and, you know, like the whole, we sold everything that we had. Um, sold the farm. so awful, but that's literally how I've always said it. We sold everything that we had and moved away Follow from Jesus. Jesus. Yes. Um, and so we moved to the Southeastern corner of the state of Colorado, four miles from the Kansas Colorado border along Highway 50, and that's where I did um, middle school and high school. And um, my parents saw, like, oh, there's no, there's nothing here for the youth. So they're like, this is what God wants us to do is start a youth group. And at, up until that point, all of my siblings and I, we were homeschooled. And so my parents were like, well, <laughs> this is a town of a thousand people. We can see like it would be so weird to be the only people in the community homeschooling our kids and being like, we want to minister to your kids, but we don't want our kids to be with your kids. So when they presented that to us, we were like, yeah, of course, we'll go. We'll go to public school because we're on this like ministry with yeah. you, you know, yeah. um, be missionaries so, to the school. Yeah. Yes, that was exactly. And I was like completely in it, like completely. That was my heart was there. Um, and I think honestly, like it was very good for my formative years too, just as a person. It was, yeah. I thrived in <laughs> public school. It was so good for me. Um, yeah, I, I, I was homeschooled through the end of elementary school and then went to public school for middle school and high school. And I'm grateful for it. I needed it. (laughs) I needed it so bad. So, um, yeah, I think all my siblings struggled, you know, just because we're all different. But, um, yeah, I thrived. So that was awesome. Um, I would say, uh, like, my faith was the strongest it ever had been um, in those years, too. And I think, you know... Obviously, for a long time, my story would be that it was challenged all the time and I had never experienced it being challenged before. Um, And so I think that's why it was strong. Um, But then, so I went to college at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago 
and I moved there 14 years ago. Sorry, the sun is like crazy right now. Um, so <laughs> Colorado I'm, sun, man, 350 yeah. days of sunshine. Yes, it's wonderful. I love um, it. Yeah, so I moved there 14 years ago and studied missions and thought I would just meet my husband and go to the mission field. And I didn't even want to go to college. I just was like, if I, well, my parents like made me go. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if I was like, if I have to go, I want it to be this school. And I guess I'll do missions because I have always felt like an openness to missions. And um, I really never have said, like, I feel God's call on my life. I've always been very adverse to that. So, which is interesting yeah. to think about even now. Um, but yeah, I've been like, yeah, very much open, I think would be the right language of um, like, okay, I'm willing to go anywhere. Um, of course, like for God, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that that's really common in the community that that we're involved in. So many people in kind of the, you know, post evangelical or kind of the deconstruction community, we were like the missionary, like ministry pastor, you know, yeah. like, like none of us were trips. like, yeah, yeah. We we <laughs> casually went to church and didn't really care, and then we decided to get into this deep deconstruction space. Like we were all like, yeah, open to like living this as our life. So yeah, that, yeah, that makes like, sense. A hundred percent and like devoted was that was me. Um, and so I didn't meet my husband in college. Okay, and was didn't get like your MRS degree. Not no. And that? that was like, <laughs> oh yeah, that was, I mean, it, the school is also called Moody Bridal, Bridal Institute. So uh -huh. yep. yeah, I was one definitely too. one of the, um, minorities of <laughs> the school coming out, not married. So, um, I think like that was a big struggle for many years, um, after college and even in church, my relationship with church really struggled with that. Um, because there was a lot of favoritism towards um, your relationship status and um, honestly, like mistreatment too um, towards the single women, I think specifically. So, and I think in those years after college, I struggled even with my peers because I was the only one in my peer group for many years that was living on my own. And so, I mean, like, that just is a pressure that, you know, like you can't just go and buy drinks with your friends every single night of the week because you have like I had rent and they lived with their parents. So nothing against them like that. That is so awesome that they could do that. But <laughs> I also felt a little isolated and like people don't understand like, you know, and not an oh, poor me, like not looking for pity, but I just felt really isolated and like no one understood me. Um in like some of those social things. Um, then I ended up going to a retreat. I think this was a turning point for me in call and it was actually in Colorado. And I use the term retreat cause that's the only thing that it's similar to. It's nothing like any retreat I've ever been to. Um, and it was really like a self discovery weekend. And, um, I really think that that was a turning point for me and like 
um, who I was and I think too, like my relationship with God. And I think I just took a, a head dive deeper into things with God than I'd ever experienced before. And like, again, that was very isolating. <laughs> um, it felt like I had unlocked something that like, it seemed like no one else around me was into. And that sounds so weird, but I'm like, or like, I don't mean it to sound a holier than thou. It just felt really alone of like, I'm experiencing something with the divine, the divine <laughs> at, at yeah. a level that like, I'm not seeing in the like boxiness of church around me and like, yeah. and then also that morphing with the like way I was treated in the church of like, you don't have anything to offer, but I'm like, but I have a freaking education. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. So I have this connection what, what, to God. So what was that like? I mean, what was, what was the, what were the emotions associated with feeling like I'm having this spiritual experience? God is this bigger, crazier, more unknown thing than I ever imagined. And then also having this isolating experience, like, like what did you do with that emotion? Yeah. I mean, I think, I know it sounds so cliche, but it really opened up like this, the quiet time, my quiet time with Jesus was, it became extremely personal and like, um, yeah, like, like nothing I'd ever experienced before. And, um, I mean, like there was, there was so many things that every day I was just like, God, like I want this. And, and the, yeah, like I just have such a, I don't know, interesting relationship with God that just didn't seem to fit into the boxes, I guess, of what I was seeing around me. And um, I was just so sure and still am so sure that all those moments were real. Um, but I think that that all like led into so that retreat was, I think, 2015. And then in 2017, I believe. no. I, maybe 2016, there was a sermon series um, in, I think, First Corinthians. And that was huge for me. Like, I remember like a verse, I think it's in Corinthian, First Corinthians chapter 9. And it talks about like, um, like being uncomfortable in this life. And I was like, like it was very, very personal. I just was like, you know, I am done going to work nine to five and like having no meaning in my life. And I was like, I'm done with it. And I'm like, it was just very like with me and God, I was just like, I'm going to do something like I'm, I'm just done. I want to do something different. So I yeah. ended up pursuing missions, um, which I didn't, you know, I really didn't want to do single, um, and long, it's a super long story, but long story short, I ended up going on a short-term trip to like test the waters with Moody. And I went to the Philippines and was there for a two-week trip and then ended up coming back and was so sure, like, this is the next thing. And um, I went back and I was only supposed to be there for six months and <laughs> ended up staying for 10. And... Um, yeah, I, I initially worked with a like evangelism team playing basketball <laughs> in the streets, and I'm not athletic at all. Um, <laughs> but that was super eye opening, and like to the you know to the poverty and the like 
I don't know, like the city of Manila is so huge and like densely populated and like the poverty and yeah, it was a lot to take in and I burnt out fast. And so, um, yeah, I didn't know how to take care of myself and all of those things either. And um, thankfully, I was a part of a missions organization that did take care of me when I didn't know what to do. And they transferred my placement to another ministry. And I taught um, foods at a international Christian school. So I did that. And I'm actually still teaching there. Um, but I would say my deconstruction started when I came back from the Philippines in 2018, um, because when I came back, obviously, like I was experiencing some culture shock of like being away from my home for 10 months. And um, the it, like, it was devastating because my church wasn't there for me in all the ways that they had always preached and taught that they were supposed to be there. And um, like, an example would be one of my friends from that same peer group. She did like a summer in China and came back, I think two weeks after I did. And she got to share in the church service about her time in China before I did. But I had been inquiring about like getting on the schedule to share months before I was even arriving back in America. And so like, obviously like I confronted the pastors and leadership. I was like, guys, like this is, this is really like, well, I didn't say shitty, but it was, it was super yeah. shitty. I was like, you showed favoritism to this person. And I like, I've been trying, like it, it wasn't because of a lack of effort on my end. And, um, yeah, that was just really shitty, but there were so many things like that. And, um, I think it had been stacking up for years too, right? Like with all the other um, ways I'd been treated and, you know, just have been like, oh, well, you can just serve in the nursery, you know, or it was like pulling teeth to become a member. Um, I just felt very forgotten and overlooked. That was always the way I felt in church. And it just was extremely heightened when I came back from the mission field. And um, I came to a point where I was like, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. And I didn't tell anyone. I didn't write an email. I didn't have a meeting. I just stopped going cold turkey because I was so pissed and like hurt. Yeah. And I was tired of like fighting for myself, you know, and being yeah. alone. Um, and I think too, like I was really struggling with depression and um, I was extremely isolated in my, like where I was living and my work, you know, just everything, all the components was, it was not a healthy space. And I would communicate that to the, my people and that are supposed to be there. And I was met week after week on a Sunday morning with this look of like, so you're better now, right? And like, oh, how yeah. are you? Like, when are you going to be ready to get back out there and win some more souls Yeah, for us? like I, I think that casting crown song like the pl happy plastic faces that's so <laughs> true like that is yeah. as much as like I don't really care for those songs but like that that is exactly what it was and I was so put off by it I was like no I'm depressed and like yeah. I and at the time I didn't know that I needed someone just to come sit with me in my depression you know like I just needed someone to just be there and 
no one was there. Um, so I just stopped going and I didn't hear from anyone for weeks and weeks. And that like really confirmed to me. I was like, I don't fit here. I don't belong here. And like, it doesn't deserve my time and my energy. And like all through that, I was like, I'm fine with God. Like I have nothing to prove to him. I'm so secure in the way he views me, but it's like the relationship on this level, like, right. Like, Yeah, the that church just wasn't functioning. Up. Like it yeah. wasn't functional for you. No. So how did how did how did you get then into or find this community online of like all this all of these like kind of post you know church kids, yeah. <laughs> you know through Dirty Rotten Church Kids and all of that. Like what was <laughs> what? How did you find that? And like, um, I would say. Well, I had just found it through memes on Instagram and being like, this memes. account is so amazing. I gotta start Instagram. making memes, man. That's how everybody <laughs> finds these guys. Oh my gosh. I'm but gonna it, have to hire Josh and Adrian to make me memes. Like they're seriously so there's they were so good. And they're friends good. were sending them to me. And like I I mean it was it was really in 2020, like when I just was on my phone constantly and I was like I, I remember being like, oh, let me look at this account on Instagram and being like, they have a podcast. And then like, it was the end of like that, the end. But um, <laughs> I, I kind of spiraled out and like, and not in a, I don't want to put shame on myself because I think this is what I needed to do too. 100%. But um, I ended up like you know, getting into some relationships and testing stuff out differently and um, felt so much freedom, more freedom than I've ever experienced in my life. And almost like a high, like (laughs) so crazy, Uh, like in a good way. And, but then it did, it did have shame because of all this stuff that I was taught. So, um, but then January, 2020, I'm January 4th, 2020, I met someone and then January 28th, we got married. And, um, that ended Holy up being, <laughs> yeah, it really ended up being a shit storm. And, um, I ignored all the red flags. I think, you know, I was just excited and there, I know there was a piece of me too, that was like, no, I'm doing this for me. You know, like kind of that, like, re- I guess in our past selves would say that rebellious person. Um, yeah. But I was just like, no, like, I want to do this for me, you know? And And also, um, I don't know for you, like, but like, I imagine that there's an aspect of the scripting of like, oh, I met someone, I'm in love, or I want to have, you know, sex or whatever, you know? And so it's like, obviously, it's like marriage and start a family and like, all that stuff Mm -hmm. is like all tied up together. None of those things can exist singularly. You can't just have a wonderful love affair. Like it's like, Oh, now we got to get married and do all the things. So I get that. Like, that's why I'm married. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And like, I think too, like he was checking off all the boxes of things that I wanted in a partner. And like, I was going to a new church, um, that I finally felt like I'd found, um, like a seat at the table, which is funny because it was a house church and like we met around the table. So (laughs) that's funny, but, um, yeah, it was, it was finally like filling that. So I felt like, Hey, I've got this right. You know, like, so what about premarital sex? I guess like whatever, you know, like, eh. yeah. again, I was like, I really don't feel shame before God, but okay. That's great. Um, But yeah, so he ended up being, 
a fucking narcissist and really abusive and it was awful. Um, so I left March 10th and, um, of 2020. (laughs) So it was probably the world's shortest marriage, maybe not, but still, um, it was insane. And I am so thankful that I'm safe. And then, um, Chicago shut down, uh, March 20th. So like, (laughs) again, I'm so grateful that I was safe and didn't have to quarantine with him. Um, but it was honestly during, like, after that is when I just binged like podcasts. Um, so really that's when like I would go for walks and Josh and Adrian were my friends that I was walking with. And I like felt like they were my friends. I was like, these people get me like, yep. <laughs> I yep. mean, they d- had no like interaction with me, but I was like, these sound like my actual friends that I grew up yeah. with. And like, I don't know. I just totally, yeah, I get all their jokes. Um, I love their dynamic of their friendship and everything so yeah all of it yeah that's amazing and then you get into the discord and you become a part of this community and you meet all these other people like me and you know yeah and Ryan, james and all the people we're talking to yeah uh, so what what is what has that been like for you what is how has that helped you been meaningful to you in in from march till now yeah i think march um, to march yeah. Well, I just joined the Discord in January of this year. Um, and I think it's like, I've, I've been thinking about this. I feel like it's filling what I've been missing. And I think that a lot of us could say that. And I remember early on in my deconstruction, like in 2018, I think is when it really started. Um, and like thinking or reading, I was reading a book. I can't even remember what book. Maybe it was um, present over perfect by Shauna Nyquist, which I know that could be a trigger warning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, um, I think in that book, I think it was her that said something about AA and like that. I think you might even know about it. There's a church in Denver apparently that has like more that model of like AA. And, um, I feel like that is similar to like how the, the discord is. I don't want to downplay like AA or like put yeah. any boxes around anything, but if I could liken it to anything like this is, it feels like we're a bunch of recovering like trauma survivors, like exchanging yeah. stories and being like immediately feeling safe because I feel like you understand me because I don't even need to know all of your story, but we came to this space and like, I'm here for you. And like, we share this experience that we can just instantly understand each other. And I think all of us struggled and, and struggle from time to time with feeling isolated and feeling like maybe we lost some sense of community in pursuit of our own authenticity. And it feels good to know that we don't have to choose. Yeah. Yeah. Or or even so many times, like, I feel like I overshare a lot, but I, I've been so welcomed in this space. And like, whereas I think all of my entire life, it's been like, all right, can you sit down now? Like you've said enough, you know? Um, And so I think that's been really great too. And of course, like I've seen that said for other people, like other people speaking that for others too, in this space of like, no, like 
say what you need to say. Like we're here for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're, uh, you, you have this space to exist fully you and it's not about furthering any type of thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course it does get us all to go like everyone should listen to this podcast and you should come join and be a part of this community. But it, it's not about trying to build, you know, no. a kingdom or a church or anything. It's just about trying to be our full selves together. And, yeah. and that's changed my life in, yeah. in a huge way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to finish on like me saying the last thing, but, but I do want to wrap because we have, uh, I want to, I want to put so many other stories in here. Um, but yeah, do you have any other final like closing thoughts about? Yeah. I just had one thing that popped in my head, um, early on in my deconstruction. I don't know timeline. I guess it could have been like early 2019. My therapist said, and she knows I'm deconstructing. I feel like there's only like two people outside of just court that know in my real okay, life. Don't tell anyone about um, this podcast then. I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm also like becoming more <laughs> confident in myself. So I guess whatever cool, happens, yeah. happens. So when I started this podcast, I called my mom and I was like, Hey, you're going to see this thing. Don't listen to it. It's going to piss you off. And she was like, okay, we yeah, have an agreement. I don't know. Like, I, I think that's, that's also like part of what I want to like dismantle is like, no, I will own my shit. Mm. Right. And that's yeah. like not something that happens, especially with white men in the church. It doesn't happen. Preach. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm totally fine. Like if someone really wants to have a conversation, like, okay, let's talk, I guess. So, but yeah. So my therapist said, so I think I was still like new in that space too. And like opening up to her and like, I didn't know the word deconstruction. We were not saying that word, um, but she was sharing just like, you know, as much as she could about herself too, of like, no, like I'm th in the same place. And so that was very reassuring <laughs> for me too. Um, but she said, you've stepped out of the box. Like you've stepped out of the formula. And um, mm. I, that like super resonated with me. And I shared that with my brother who is still like very much um, following Jesus believer, which is fine. But he, he was like, yeah, that makes sense, Rebecca. Like Jesus didn't follow a formula. And I think like even hearing that from my brother, right. It's like still like very much in those spaces. Like that's, that's what's a turnoff to me about church is like, there's so many formulas and events and programs and like checklists and pamphlets and like, oh, you're not a member. Sorry. Like Jesus is not like that. And I just, I'm so fed up with the inconsistencies and yeah, I'm so happy to like have stepped out of the formula. I'm so happy to be out. We're happy to have you out here <laughs> outside of the formula. Um, it's good to have you a part of that that community. Thank you, Rebecca, so much yeah, for, for sharing all that you shared. I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad to know you and, and call you friend. Yeah, same. Thank you. All right. And to wrap this up, I mean, we've uh, there's there's 275 people in this Discord server. I wanted to interview every single one of them. This episode is already going to be our longest episode ever and is going to keep Cody up for a solid 24 hours editing. So Thank you, uh, Cody. <laughs> thank you to thank our executive you. producer. <laughs> he makes this show possible. And uh, we'll put his Venmo in the show notes if you want to buy him a fucking beer because uh, that's... Uh, 
that's how we keep the show going. So we'll do that. Um, lastly, I just want to, I want to share this interview that we, that I did with, uh, Buffy, uh, it was so cool. I mean, the coolest thing about it was she talked about her experience of growing up in, in Christianity, her, her dad being, you know, from a Christian family, her mom getting saved later in life, growing up Christian, uh, you know, kind of, you know, realizing her sexual orientation and identity and, and beginning to kind of deconstruct, uh, and rethink, you know, things about Christianity and then have, this conversation with her parents and have her parents also be like, yeah, we're starting to think about things differently too. Uh, and then talking to her brother and him being like, yeah, I've, I've started to think about things differently too. And they, as a whole family have been on this journey together, which is just not something you hear about very often. Um, you don't hear about families evolving in belief together. Hmm. Hardly no, ever. Don't. No, you don't. You <laughs> and, just hear about people arguing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I was blown away that she was like, man, I'm so, you know, had a lot of toxic and horrifying experiences in church institutions, but she's like, my family has been a, a safe place for me to, to, to explore my beliefs and my faith in, in new ways. Um, fuck, that was cool. It was just really, really cool to hear her talk about that. And that was the thing that really stood out to me about, about talking to Buffy. Plus she's another Colorado bad apple for the moment. She's getting ready to move, but for the moment she's in, she's in Colorado, which yeah. I love. We love Colorado. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into it. My interview with Buffy. All right. Welcome Buffy to the show. Buffy, so great to have you today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited that so many Bad Apples agreed to kind of share some of their experience and uh, really stoked that we were able to make it work. Uh, even if it was like super last minute, we were supposed to do this like Friday and then Saturday and then yeah. Sunday. <laughs> yeah. We're getting it done, which is exciting. So why don't um, briefly you could kind of just introduce yourself to listeners and and maybe just tell a little bit of like what your experience was in, in a real brief nut, nutshell. What is that? Is that a saying in a nutshell? Yeah. In a nutshell. Know. Okay, yeah. cool. We'll go for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, I'm Buffy. Real name is Bethany, but ever, all of my friends call me Buffy or Buff. Um, and I grew up Christian. Um, my dad comes from like a legacy Christian family and my mom was saved in high school. Um, so, they met when they were in high school as well. Um, so I kind of like have been in it as long as I can remember um, and kind of grew up with a lot of like inherited shame um, and guilt from my parents um, because of like the way that my dad was raised with like Christians going back forever, forever. But then my parents also um, hadn't got pregnant with me out of wedlock, which was like not cool uh, no, no. Uh, for their family. Yeah. Uh, they were not fans. Um, and so I kind of grew up into that. Um, I had like, like there are lots of horror stories and like my experiences with churches has been really terrible, but my experience with my parents on the whole has been really positive. Um, like it kind of worked out where, when I started my, uh, deconstruction and then deconversion last year, um, 
they also were going through a similar process. And so we've kind of been able to more or less do it together, which has been really cool. Whoa, that's so yeah. cool. That's yeah. not something you hear like ever. So no, <laughs> Way not cool. at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just to kind of give like background, um, I am queer. I identify as pansexual. Um, so I uh, was in super denial about that, like my whole life, like did the whole like, I can't be gay because I'm into boys and that whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then kind of started to put things together um, and things started to fall apart for me about five or six years ago um, in terms of my faith. And it was just kind of like a really slow downward spiral from there. That um, all culminated last year. I think a lot of time with my own thoughts, uh, not yeah, a lot of ability bit. to run away from that. Um, and then it was sort of like, me and my brother started having conversations because we were really close. And then, um, then my brother told my parents what he was thinking about and processing. And they were like, Oh, well, we're also thinking about those same things. And then we were like, okay, well then I guess this is happening. Like, I don't really know. Um, and that was last fall. And then from there, I sort of then listened to all the podcasts and read all the books and all those kinds of things. And that's where I found DRCK. And then I joined the server back in January. So cool. What was what was maybe like before DRCK? Like what were some of the maybe other uh, podcasts or resources or Instagrams mm-hmm. or blogs? What what were some of the things that that maybe helped you and kind of took you along the journey as over the last yeah. you know, few years? I think like over the last few years, the biggest thing for me has been I'm an avid consumer of pop culture, um, and there started to be like this really like huge growing. Um, cognitive dissonance in terms of like what I was told about how people like in quote the world felt and experienced life independent of God and Jesus. But through the things that I was watching and reading and listening to, I was like, they seem really fine. (laughs) I'm really confused. If they're supposed to be miserable, then why aren't they miserable? Um, And so that's kind of where a lot of that started. Um, What one of the things that's actually kind of funny was I listened to the Rhett and Link deconstruction podcast episodes, and that's sort of like when everything clicked into place for me. And the reason that I knew that those podcast episodes existed, um, even though I knew who Rhett and Link were, was because I was a youth leader for um, up until actually last May. Um, and the youth pastor mentioned in one of our like leader meetings or whatever that like, these two, you know, these two guys had just like left their faith and we have to be like really on top of things with, you know, our students and make sure that they're getting their questions answered and that kind of thing. And I was like, well, I didn't know that they had like left the faith. Like, that's really interesting. So then a few months later, I listened to the podcast and I was like, oh shit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure this is over for me. <laughs> um, so, you know, I can kind of credit my youth pastor with causing me to leave Christianity. So that's great. Dude, I, I have a similar experience in terms of a youth pastor throwing blue like jazz at me, which like obviously is yeah. like old school, like like pre any kind of like real deconstruction conversation happening. Um, but like that was a, an instance where he was like, this is garbage, postmodern bullshit. I mean, he said that in Baptist, however you translate that, translate that yeah, into yeah, yeah. Uh, Baptist speak. But I was like, ooh, that sounds cool. <laughs> from reading it and I was like, Oh yeah, this is good. I like this. I'm going to ask him for more books that he hates. Yeah. Uh, 
Cause... You just give me a list of things I'm not supposed to read or listen to. That'd be great. <laughs> That's a vibe for sure. So, so, so through, you know, finding uh dirty rotten church kids, how was it that you found their podcast Instagram? Was it another podcast or an Instagram account? Or I'm always just curious how people find yeah. each other out here in this community. Uh, to be fully honest, I don't remember where it started because okay. it was sort of like, I, like my first foray beyond like reading the books about like gender and sexuality in the Bible and how current interpretations are mostly bullshit. Um, beyond that, then it was, um, Colby Martin. And then it was like listening to his podcast with his wife. And then it was like discovering someone that they listened to or interviewed on their podcast and then going to that person's podcast and then finding people that I liked and then just searching their name and then listening to whatever podcast they had guested on. The first time that I really remember like Dirty Rod and Church Kids being on my radar was the Joe Lumen episode that they did because I listened to a lot of her episodes all at once. Um, okay. And I think it like on that episode, they'd mentioned possibly the server. I don't remember. I just remember yeah, starting listening the Patreon. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember listening to one of their episodes and they mentioned that they had a server that was like getting crazy and lots of people on there and had all these different channels. And then it was like creating this like kind of community thing. And I remember thinking like, well, that's really what I want right now. So even though I've only listened to like three episodes of this podcast, I'm going to just, you know, sub on Patreon because I want to try to meet other people who are also feeling as weirded out by this new life transition. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I was, I was the same way. I definitely, I, to this day still haven't listened to every single DRCK episode, um, which I may cut out of this interview because I don't know if I can admit it, but (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I haven't either. So all right, we're in the same boat, but not all of them. So there is, there is a lot of them and, uh, you know, they're all really good. And so I, I have more to listen to, which will be great, but I'm also like a podcast junkie. So I always have like 37 that I want to listen to that I haven't yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, I, I was the same way. I just wanted to, to, to be involved in, you know, community and, and, you know, meet people and have conversations with people. I was so craving that. How has that, like, since you've been a part of that community, it's, to me, it's been one of the most unique spaces that I found online where people are like, so vulnerable and like willing Mm -hmm. to connect. And, you know, how has that, uh, I guess positively or, you know, been, you know, a good force in your life and, and affected you in, in some type of way? Yeah. So like kind of my whole like horror story experience in churches is just kind of constantly being denied belonging. Um, both, I think a lot of it was that I'm really bad at pretending, which is weird to admit as an Enneagram three, <laughs> um, but really not good at faking things. And so I really struggled to like fit into like the barriers that had been placed for me. And the way that I sort of did that was just by shutting down and not really saying anything. And you can't really make friends that way. Um, But it was also like, anytime I said things like I was too loud or I was too smart or I was too outspoken. And like, I just always was running into these barriers and invisible rules and things that kind of excluded me from like actually being included and like feeling like I was a part of something. Um, and my experience with DRCK has been, or the, the server specifically, has been the complete opposite of that. Like, I remember how, like, the moment that I logged in, 
um, and having like joined other like discord servers before and like being just completely overwhelmed by the number of people who immediately were like saying hello and like talking to me and sending me gifs and like engaging with me and just being like, Oh my gosh, I was not prepared for this. <laughs> like, yeah. We make jokes about how it's like, you know, greeting time on Sunday mornings, but that always felt very much like people trying to decide whether or not you were somebody that they wanted to continue being in relationship with, like you were being judged. And yeah. this was much more like, we've just decided already that you're here and you're a part yeah. of us and you're welcome. And we're going to get to know you and celebrate all of the ways that you're unique. Um, and it's just sort of been that way since day one. Um, and yeah. And so that's, that's been the best part. Yeah, dude, me too. Uh, it's been so cool. I remember my first night I joined while I was at work and uh, I was like, well, I guess I'm done working for tonight because <laughs> yeah. I am now doing a video chat with yeah. 12 strangers from right. around the this, country. This is my life now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So I, I guess in closing, we're like right at the time, but like I, one thing that would be curious to me is like, what would you, I guess, say to your earlier self that was struggling with questioning or feeling like the confidence to be able to maybe be where you're at now? Uh, and what do you think maybe, whether it's something you would say to that younger self or, or something that you feel like maybe somebody said to you that gave you the freedom, permission to think differently, uh, I don't mm -hmm. know if you if you got a a well formed answer to that or not. But. Actually, uh, cool. so re like literally two days ago, my mom shared with me this quote from Glennon Doyle from um, her book on I think it Untamed. So um, good. And it was something along the lines of like your job in life is to disappoint as many people as it takes to not disappoint yourself. And for me, like I think that it really did help that my parents and my brother were also having these same conversations with me because I was terrified of losing my social standing with my family, with people that I was around and like what it would mean to actually leave that space and to be on the outside and what that would look like. And I think that like, I was just, I was afraid of disappointing people. Um, and so I think if I could go back and just tell myself like, this is what's most important is that you disappoint everyone else before you disappoint yourself. I think I would have left a lot sooner. Um, and that's something that I'm still trying to learn as I'm like, you know, becoming a person um, yeah. is like, it's still okay to disappoint other people as long as I'm figuring out what it means to be true to myself. Um, so. Boom. Mic drop. That's yeah. <laughs> incredible. Incredible. Thank you, really? Buffy, yeah. for... Did, did you have anything else? No, no. No. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, being willing to do this interview. And uh, I'm so excited to get to know you more and all the bad apples. Uh, I love the family we're building online. It's so cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> And that is the episode. That is all the conversations that I had with Bad Apples this last week. That makes for our longest episode that will probably be released late. But if it's not, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, that means Cody has stayed up for a solid 24 hours editing this shit together. Dang. And uh, and even, even more reason to go into the show notes, hit up that Venmo and buy that dude a beer. Uh, so, yeah. We need some applause tracks. Yeah, for Cody. <laughs> applause tracks. What's uh, sad is Cody uh, is the one that's going to have to put those in. 
Because <laughs> we can't do that. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Applause for Cortland. Freaking, that's a lot of work, dude. Yeah, having was all these of, little interviews. It that's was great. a lot of interviews, but it was fun. It was like these are this is like my new fam. So uh, and it, and it's going to be fun to have this in the hopper uh, for having Josh and Adrian on the show in in a coming week so uh as always uh if you like the show please subscribe and follow wherever you get podcasts please go to apple Podcasts and leave us a review that makes us happy makes us feel good and nice and special which is awesome follow us on instagram you can dm us i mean our dms are pretty clogged uh we get you know a a, a few thousand messages a day but you know, every once in a while we like to answer one so Please uh, drop us a DM, Instagram, Thereafter Podcast. Josh, thank you for hanging out. Cody, thank you for editing this episode. Yeah, guys. Hey, appreciate uh, happy- it for all the listeners who make Thereafter possible. Go ahead, Josh, say your last thing. That's my last thing, guys, this week. Uh, happy Passover. Happy Had Passover. A Passover Seder uh, this past weekend. It was awesome. <laughs> I, I, I remember really liking Passover food. Did you, did you eat good food? Oh my gosh! Yes, dude. We had some brisket. It was the best. Oh, <laughs> dude. I had a Jewish friend, and we ate Passover food once, and it was awesome. Anywho, all right. Well, that's the episode. Thank you so much. We're here every other Tuesday. Well, until next episode, we hope you stay safe and continue to explore the wondrous mystery that is the thereafter.